Lobs it. Burris alone. Touchdown, New York. It's off the Leonard. Defended by Simmons. Is this the dagger? Fly ball, right field. Grossman back. Trap. Wall. See ya. Into the second deck. A grand slam the other way for Aaron Judge. And the Yankees are pouring it on. For the latest news throughout the sports world, tune in to Sports Talk with R&J every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Rocky Hill Accountants offers a unique, low-pressure approach to professional and personal services, which is why they have an excellent client retention rate and are extremely proud of the high-quality services that their firm provides. The executive team at Rocky Hill Accountants has over 35 years of combined experience in income tax preparation, bookkeeping, accounting, and IT crypto tax. They specialize in individual income tax preparation, as well as trusts, estates, and gift tax returns. The tax debt line for individuals is May 17th. If you're one of the 50 million Americans who still hasn't filed, visit RockyHillAccountants.com. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our main event. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Throwing Jabs, the Combat Sports Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Big Jace, joined by Joe Aguirre and Jared Jones. And we got a lot to talk about. Starting off with a fight that, I mean, I, I got on your case, Jared, last week. But <laughs> Prochaska shows that, I mean, he, he is elite. He I mean, he is a top dog in that light heavyweight division, and that was – that was gnarly, that knockout, that spinning back elbow. Jared, what did you think of the fight, brother? Cock, it, the, the kid looks dangerous, you know? It wasn't a knock on Reyes to say was the obvious choice. It was just about, like I said, career trajectory, you know? One headed up, one headed down, and I'll take the guy on his way up. This was much more dominant than I thought I'd be. You know, I ended up calling all of the fights, and none of them happened how I thought they would this was the guy I thought would win, but I I mean that was whoo, that boy looked good. Yes, sir. Joe is Prochaska next in line to take on Jan. Yeah, I think Prohaska is the real deal. I gotta tell you, you know, I I had said I thought Reyes was gonna win the fight. And I, I'll say this about Reyes. He fought a great fight and he never he he never stopped throwing. Well, he did when he finally cut that, caught that elbow. Uh, that I almost out, changed your mind. I, t- I tell you what, you know, the more I learned about Prohaska, and and you know, the uh, he was offered a contract a couple of years ago. Decided, nah, no, no, I'm not ready. I need a little more time. I got to figure this all out. And when I get there, I'm gonna be the best. And I'll tell you what, he he is probably my new favorite guy uh, in the UFC right now. I'm so excited about him, and not not just because of the elbow. You know, I, I had picked Reyes, and as I was watching the fight, I got to tell you, it took me about 30 seconds where I'm like, nah, Prohaska, that's my guy. I don't even <laughs> care. I don't care that I'm wrong. I love this guy. I was so impressed by him, the size, the movement. I, I mean, I think he's going to be 
And here's the other thing. I was thinking about it, right? I mean, who who is he like on a showdown with? Obviously, Blahovitz, right? But I mean, think about other guys who might want a piece of that. People like John Jones or somebody like Israel Adesanya. I could see this guy realistically beating either one of those two. Mm. And mm-hmm. and that excites me because the light heavyweight division before, you know, it, it seemed like maybe that division was kind of running out of steam. And all of a sudden, when you look at the way Jan's been fighting, you see Yuri come. All of a sudden, man, I'm telling you. And, and I'll tell you what, don't count Dominic Reyes out, man, because, again, dude fought. Uh, just fought with his heart and I mean never stopped firing back in the, in that fight until honestly he was on the canvas face down it just occurred to me sitting here listening to you talk that Prohaska's uh this year's Charles Oliveira <laughs> right before a fight oh this gonna lose not sure he has the tools and then right after the fight this is that guy isn't it yeah yeah it is keep the other eye thing on this, I... this is one of those guys that, like you said, could go on upset. I was thinking about it earlier today. If next year uh, Victor Ortiz Jr. upsets Bud Crawford, um, I had three of them, but that this was one of them. This is one of those guys that maybe we didn't just know him yet, and now we know who it is, and I don't see a huge mismatch if he fights Adesanya. This is a good fight. I'd be... I'd be psyched to see it. I love the super zen, humble thing and all. I mean, like just everything about this dude's mental state tells me he's ready and he's going to take over. So watch out. Heck yeah. I'm excited to see him against Jan. And yeah, it has been a weird spot for the heavyweight division. Even... I was going to say since John Jones left, but even at the tail end, it was still kind of weird. Cause, but the, this is some real life in it. And I'm excited. I, I'm excited to see that Jan fight with pro pro Hoska. But now let's get into the, the only guy. The only guy we didn't know if he could take a loss up there kept beating himself. So yeah, it got real funny. It got real <laughs> funny at the end of John Jones. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, Couldn't tell who was going to kick his ass. And yeah. John Jones over and over and over again. He's like all in seven against John Jones. <laughs> Undefeated yeah, against right. everybody else. You're right. All right. But now let's get into the boxing. And Andy Ruiz Jr. defeats Chris Ariola via unanimous decision. Joe, I mean, you said Andy Ruiz had to take it into the later rounds. Was this was this a performance you he needed to show you? Well, I also said that Ruiz needed to come out and make a statement, and he did. His statement was, I'm fat and lazy, and I don't take this job serious. <laughs> Dropped by the light-hitting uh, Ariola in the second round, he grinded out a win over a guy who they served him up on a platter to beat down. Uh, this couldn't have gone any worse for him. I'll be honest. I wanted him, when I said I wanted a later round stoppage, I wanted Ruiz to come out, box a little bit, beat this guy around, show us show us what a good fighter he could be. Show us that he could last in a fight. And instead, he was fighting for his life to pull this, this decision out. You're not that, being that, fair. That's not what I'm looking for. You're not being fair, though. You're not being fair. This is, 
Granted, I said the same thing. That's what was going to happen. Rui should walk over Ariola. This is tailor-made for him. Who was that guy that fought Andy Ruiz? I've been following Ariola's career his entire life since Nike put the sticker on the pregnant woman. I've been paying attention to this guy. Okay, it's been a long, long time. That was a completely different Chris Ariola than I have ever seen before under new management. This is a different guy. He came out, he, he didn't get the memo that he was the tailor-made, that he was a hand-picked opponent. And uh, Ruiz, to be fair, pulled out the victory. But this was, it's so hard to tell what went on here with either guy because Ariola was something, that was something brand new. I've never seen him box like that. I think... Uh... And that's that's true. I mean, that's true. I get uh Ruiz's height was gonna be that win over AJ. He will never reclaim that position. I agree with you, he's kind of been exposed here, but let's be fair to Chris Ariola. He came out old ass man and did his thing. He boxed superbly. I just and feel all like... of these fights mirrored each other. I don't know if you guys saw this fight in the Katie Taylor fight or the Loma fight. But it was a better boxer, one-two punches, technicality versus kind of a strong guy wearing on him, throwing around punches. All three of those fights kind of looked the same. I picked the boxer in all three fights. The boxer won two out of three of them. Loma came up a little short. But we're seeing this kind of over and over again. And what those punchers need to do is what Chris Ariola did. What uh, Tofima Lopez did. And that's box and overwhelm and man he almost got this w that was that was one of the best performances i've ever seen if not the best out of chris Ariola. so how much of that though is just that ruiz stinks you know what i mean no 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 watch him fight watch just chris Ariola. what watch him from five years ago and then him from 10 years ago and then him against andy ruiz and pretend the other guy's not in the ring this was a completely different guy I'm not sure is the answer to your question, but not all of it. Let's be fair to Ariola. Not all of it is just because Ruiz stinks. That was a that was a brand new guy with a new attitude. I've always liked his heart and his passion and his desire and his last name. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, my thing with Ruiz is uh, he. I, I think he's a very reactive fighter like i mean he has to get punched in the he has to get punched really hard he has to get knocked down before he starts turning it on and then even when he does he starts to die down a little bit and get a little bit complacent and he has to get punched really hard and get knocked down again that's what i see uh like technically i think he's great and he can i i, I those are all horrible I mean. habits in a fight no yes that, that, that's the problem. Yeah. That's the pro- That's why he's not at, at that world. That's why he's not at the Fury and the Joshua level. He had that great knockout of Joshua, but yeah, he's not going to live up to that. And he, he's calling out. I, I, I've seen a lot of talk about Deontay Wilder after this fight. You don't want to be reactive with Deontay Wilder. You don't want to have to take that one punch to wake up because. That one punch is not, you're not going to wake up from it. You're Let me ask you a question. 
Because I, because I, Tony just made a comment about him getting better and throwing upwards of a thousand punches in each of his last two fights. And my question is, name another one of those. Name a guy in the public spotlight at 25, 30, and 35 who was getting better at 40. You saw his best version and thought he was still climbing at 40 years old. Uh, Bernard Hopkins was still adjusting and adapting and doing good things, but I don't think 40-year-old B-Hop beats 30-year-old B-Hop. This Areola would beat the younger version of himself, and it's, it was crazy to watch. 40 and better than he was 5 and 10 and 15 years ago. Uh, yeah, B-Hop. But he was, he was finding other ways to win. Does 40-year-old B-Hop beat 25, 30, 35-year-old B-Hop? I'm taking this areola. Oh, uh, Walcott more. Okay. Come on. Dude, this is a totally different era. Um, I'm taking this areola over any other version I've seen of areola, and I can't really come up with another guy who at 40 did that, looked like that. That was impressive. I was really, really impressed with areola. Came up a little bit short, and – uh I don't know. One of the judges was drunk. But I thought the right guy won the fight, so I'm not mad about it. And I'd actually like to see him again. That's the last thing I thought I would say after this fight is, I want to see another Areola fight. Who's the other guy that just barely won there? Uh, Joseph Parker. Uh, Chiesa. Let me get Derek Chiesa and Chris Areola. I'd love to see him. And then Parker can fight Ruiz, and we'll see what happens. Put Parker back where he's supposed to be. Okay. I like that. But, I mean, Jared, you mentioned it earlier. Katie Taylor she comes out victorious in a tough battle against Natasha Jonas. Uh, how did your girl struggle here, Jared? Uh, just like I said, but not just like I said. Um, Katie Taylor, unanimous decision, goes the distance. That's what I said. I also think I said eight rounds to two, and that is not what happened here. This was another edge of my seat as the decision came out. Like, did she did she pull that off? Um, and as I said, the Lopez-Loma fight was the blueprint for this. And Katie Taylor threw enough one, two, one, two, pop, 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 pop in those last few rounds to edge out the decision. Where, where Loma didn't. You could see those spots where he was just better, and if he was pushing harder than the other guy, he maybe could eke out a win as a better technically sound boxer, and that's what Katie was able to do. So great fight, awesome battle. I, I don't want to have the conversation about her losing a step, but it's probably time for somebody besides me to have. What do you I'll think, be- Joe? I'll be honest. I think that Natasha Jones is a really good fighter. That's what I think happened. I mean, this was, I'll put it to like this, Jared, when the fight ended, I guess I didn't think it was going to be as close as it was. I, I mean, to me, I thought Katie Taylor was just a little bit better. To me, all throughout that fight, it, it, always, it always seemed to me that Katie kept kicking it up a gear when you didn't think there would be a gear to get. And that's why she's who she is. That's why she's the greatest female fighter of all time. 
that that's how I I mean again in this fight and and I'll tell you what I think like you just said of the previous fight I think this is a situation where you got to give jo uh, Jonas credit because she she fought a really good fight mm -hmm. and she's a True. serious contender and I'll tell you what I think Katie Taylor should almost be thankful to have somebody like Natasha Jonas on the scene someone that can I mean I'd love to see these two run it back. Those are those are all really good. Well done, Joe. Whoo, man, you're fun to listen to talk sometimes, man. Yeah, you should be I'm a podcaster or something. Thinking about it. <laughs> thinking about it. Might. Yeah, Maybe. no one's very well. I mean, Jonas to the comparison to Ariola. Uh, she's obviously not the same age, but um, I agree with Tony. What Tony said. This is a this is a tough matchup for anybody. I just don't. I mean, Katie Taylor fighting bears with Khabib when she was a kid and really doing this her entire life versus Jonas kind of picking it up when some other things didn't work out. I thought it would be more dominant, dominant, but tricky southpaw, good boxer, tough matchup for anybody. Uh, I'd like to see Katie Taylor get back to form, but yeah, you can't overlook Jonas. This was this was a stellar performance. Champions do what champions do, and that's what I liked about this fight with Katie was, like I said, it mm. seemed like... When she needed that, like you're like, oh, 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 I felt like that kept happening. Where, 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 anytime maybe I lost a little bit of like, uh, oh, there she go. All right, all right. That's how it went for me. You just reminded me of my sparring sessions with the guys who could box. <laughs> I, you know, they didn't mind me turning it up a little bit, but I had to know somewhere that, you know. <laughs> yeah that yeah. they were gonna raise it too that when i got to 100 they were just gonna stay that <laughs> little bit better than me you know and that, that it was some of it was gonna depend on my uh my push but yeah katie kept finding another gear when she needed it and pulled it out it was a phenomenal fight and then another thing to echo another thing you said she should be grateful that there's somebody like that on the scene to challenge her and make her look touchable so she can get the fight she's looking for I would love a rematch of this fight. A little more hype behind it. I think a lot more people would pay attention to this. Anybody who doesn't, who isn't super in the, into women's boxing, a rematch of these two to me would be, you want to, you want to, you want to check out women's boxing? <coughs> Here we go. You're going to want to watch Taylor Jonas too. It's going to be epic. And I really do think it would be so. Oh yeah, I thought that minus four hundred was way off. Now I had the right winner, but those those numbers were not far off. This was this was closer than that. It, if they rematch, it will be less than minus five hundred for Katie Taylor. Yeah, and I, I mean, we talked about it last week. You need that dance partner to get to the next level and to get in the public eye. Is Jonas that dance partner? I, I don't necessarily know. I think if there is a rematch, I think Katie Taylor kind of figured it out at the end what she had to do to get past her. So so I think it's going to be even dominant. But, like, this was a great, great fight, and no one's talking about it. So what else does Katie Taylor have to do? What else do these females got to do to get in the public eye? Katie Taylor needs to beat up Jake Paul. You're not. Wrong. Oh God! Can we really make that happen? That would be the greatest thing of all time. Period. With no, I've been no in the gym, but she will, man. Katie, Katie will roast Jake Paul. <laughs> I wish we could make that happen. That's the one I want. Yes, sir.
Yeah. <laughs> she just shouldn't wear a hat around him. But uh, let's get to the main event in that zone. Oh, she runs. Nah, she'll chase. She'll outrun his ass, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Light heavyweights. Dimitri Bivol beat Craig Richards. Jared, is Bivol going to get Baturbiev next? I think probably. I've heard uh, Baturbiev talking about a Canelo fight. It's actually... That was the third one, now that you mention it. Baturbia beats Canelo Alvarez. Virgil Ortiz Jr. beats Bud Crawford. These are two fights that happen next year. If they happen, I think those guys could lose. And let's take uh, Adesanya to lose to uh, to my boy there. Those are my bold predictions. Um, Bivol, again, Happened like I said it would happen. Bivol, by decision, I said it would be closer than most people thought it would be. This one I got right. Um, this one I got right all the way around. And I think we know that. Can Do we think Bivol, Bivol can beat Baturbiev? Are we giving him a chance in that fight? Not after this fight. In a 24-foot ring. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, look, I'll say a couple things here. The judge that had it 118 to 110 stopped watching in the sixth round. And I understand if people did that because Richard looked like <laughs> I understand why. he was being totally outclassed the first the first six rounds of that fight. And then in, in the classic too little too late department, he looked pretty good uh, the second half of that fight. Uh, but he did. He looked like a 10 to one underdog as he was early on. Uh, this was the first big step up for Richard in his career. He didn't work the body until the later half of the fight. He realizes now that was a huge mistake. Bibble's solid. He's a smart fighter. Didn't take any chances, but I was not super impressed by this. And all I could think was you probably would be better off if if it's if I was Bibble, I would probably want Canelo before I, I went for uh, Biterbiev because I, I think at this point he would get smashed. More money and you've got a better chance of winning. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I think Baturbia smashes either one of those guys. I think this is this is an example of, like uh, Tony always says about promoters, you know, to Baturbia, why don't we know that this is literally pound-for-pound pound human being on the planet? Who do you want in a cage with you? I'm having trouble getting another guy. When you see the strength training exercises this guy does that just nobody else can do, he's so strong. You put you you get a little you know fifteen foot ring, and tell me I got one guy to put in there to smash whoever you put across from him. It's hard for me not to say Baturbiev is one of those like top. That's who you would want. Hey, listen, we found Martians, and our planet has to be represented by a dude. Who do you want? He's right at the front of my line. I know he's light heavyweight, but he smashes stuff. You had you put him in it. You put him in a thirty foot ring. Bivol might have a chance. Canelo might have a chance. The smaller the box, the more likely this guy's just going to smash. Baturbiev's a monster, man. I, I, I need to see the Bivol-Baturbiev fight. I, I need that to happen just, just for the division itself. And then since we've had since we had John Scully on and he talked about the Joe Smith Jr. Baturbiev fight, I, 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 I sold myself on that. I... I I'm like, he's seeing something I'm not. I went back. I, I did all the research. I, I like that fight so as well. So 
I, I don't think Canelo is coming back to light heavyweight uh, anytime soon, at least. But um, and and it's kind of crazy. We'll talk a little bit more about Canelo. We we <coughs> appreciate the Baturbiev, but there are the casual boxing fans. Now I, I don't want to call them out, but Stir the Pot Sports, another CMG, the, 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 uh, another CMG Sports show. The fight to make for Canelo there is the Triple G rematch. I don't think that's the fight to make. I want to see this Baturbiev fight. That that's those are pound for pound two guys at the top of the pound for pound list. I can name about five guys I'd rather see either one of them fight than each other. I hate to say this too, but if you you're still hung up on Alvarez and Triple G, then you probably still think Khabib's coming back to fight George Saint Pierre. Uh, or Conor McGregor, you know what I mean? Like, no, Kamaru Usman. Yeah, none of these things is happening. You know what I mean? It, it's pretty clear. Uh, I just saw Tony in the comments said, if this was the UFC, we'd be talking about Bibble Baturbiev too at this point. Yes. Uh, not just trying to get them together. Assuming and, and Bibble survived the first one. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, fair. Um. Yeah, so, uh, you know, again, you got all these guys dancing around and nobody seems to want to fight anybody. So, Is Jake the- Paul. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I had somebody comment on Scully's page about a Jake Paul fight, and I'll tell you what, I'd love to see that too. Scully make weight and fight Jake Paul at, at 50 or whatever it was. I, Scully will warm his ass up too. <laughs> I would love that. That would be... Awesome. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm sitting here thinking with UFC is their light heavyweight division has been great for a while. But right now, is boxing's light heavyweight division more interesting than the UFC's? Oh, could be. Yeah. Yes. It's crazy to think about with all the history that the Iceman's. John Jones, I mean, I just said Iceman. I meant uh, Chuck Liddell. Yeah, Couture. No. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, now that I think about it, it's, yeah. It's, yeah, it sounds strange to say, but, yeah, maybe. I like that light heavyweight boxing uh, division is, is stacked right now. Yes, sir. But now let us get into who you got. Now, last week was the NFL draft. So let's assume the UFC's holding the draft. What fighters outside the UFC would be the first overall pick? Joe? Um, Mighty Mouse, Demetrius Johnson, 30-3 and with uh, one draw, uh, traded for Ben Askren. Uh, Let's get him back from one championship. Demetrius is my first-round selection. So this is is draft style? Yeah, I'll take Kayla Harrison. Your turn, Jason. (laughs) (laughs) All right. It's got to be Kayla. But I mean, I don't like your pick, Joe. I don't like that. No. I mean, if this is a draft, I'm I'm thinking a little bit about the future here. I mean, I'm going to go. God damn you, Jared. I was going to (laughs) go Kayla Harrison. But I'm going to go Aaron Pico. He hasn't shown a lot in Bellator. But I think if you get this guy, you bring him into the UFC, you look at what the UFC did with Francis Ngannou and how they took him out of France, moved him to 
Las Vegas, got them all set up with a camp there. I, I think Pico has all the right tools. Golden Gloves boxer. Chose not to go into the national wrestling team to to go in MMA. I think he's got all the right tools. He just needs the right direction. So I'm going to go Aaron Pico. I think he can be a real star with the, with the UFC driving this force. You don't like that pick, Jared? Side note, I have 10 names. Neither one of you's first pick is on it. Go ahead, Joe. <laughs> I'll take Chris Cyborg from the Bellator uh, uh, competitions. And what's going to happen to her at the UFC against Shevchenko? She's going to have a great fight. It's going to make a lot of money. <laughs> I don't know. What what I mean here here's the uh, thing about here's the thing about I don't know what we're even doing or what we're talking about. I we're Oh, this is perfect. No, I love this because we go back two years from now, look back on it, and all my guys are in the UFC getting wins, and all your guys are somewhere in the in the PFL doing tag team matches. It'd be, it'd be fun to look back on. I want Adriano Moraes, the guy that beat your first pick last month. So that's my second. Adriano Moraes just beat Mighty Mouse. Go ahead, Jace. <laughs> this is yeah. going to be fun when we look back on it because uh, you guys are way off. All right. I- I'm going to go a man that broke out of his brother's shadow, Sergio Pettis, shown that he I- – I think it was a tough time for him in the UFC with the, the Mighty Mouse and Henry Cejudo era. I think if he gets it, if he goes in there now, he, I think fly, he owns the flyweight division, and I think he can be the champion there. That's it. That's that's the first one I like. You can have that. All right, we'll do one more round, Joe. Um, AJ McKee from Bellator, sixteen and out, twenty-four years old. He's been beating down all sorts of uh, pretty big names in Bellator. Um, and and he's a submission guy with some knockout power. Uh, AJ McKee, that's my man. Yeah, good pick. That Thank one I you, like. Sir. You guys can have Pettis and McKee. Okay. Oh man. Uh, honorable mentions: Tyler Diamond, Chris Wade, Ray Cooper, Caitlin Young looked really good. Uh. Namkov, I'm interested in seeing. AJ McKee, I really wanted him on the squad. I thought he'd make it to the third round. Last pick is Bibiano Fernandez. Bibiano Fernandez, another guy who turned down a UFC contract and just looks stellar. I'll take that for three. All right. With my last pick, I think it's pretty obvious Anthony, no, I'm just kidding. I'm going to go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a- go to the comments. My brother's really hooking you up here. Uh, uh, the uh, Patricio Pitbull Ferreira, do you that, know this guy? I was thinking yeah. about him. His brother just got beat up last night. Well, not beat up. I thought he won both rounds, but after the cut, had blood everywhere. It was outrageous fight. Um, both of those Pitbulls are pretty good. They're over here. No, yeah, the pit bulls are nice. But I'm going to go Ryan Bader. No, Ryan Bader's like a million years old. He's not not bad. No, I I understand that. 
Well, I think so he can add some lives in the UFC next year, year after maybe. I, I think he can come right in before Chris Ariola starts to of a day. of a struggling light heavyweight division. I think he can come in and compete right off the rip. You could tell Jace is a fan of Utah football because he's the kind of guy. <laughs> he was a GM, and there was a twenty-seven-year-old quarterback from Brigham Young who had spent the previous five years on a mission in Uganda. Jace would still make him the number one pick in the draft at number at, at 27 years old, five years away from the game. All right, 37-year-old Ryan Bader set to turn 38 in June. Uh, beat Leota Machida, who's also 82 years old in his last <laughs> fight. One fight before that, he fought one of my honorable mentions here, Vadim Nemkov, Russian who knocked him out in the second round, and that guy is 28 years old. So I'll take Nemkov in the draft if we have a fourth round and you can have Bader, he'd beat him again. UFC, PFL, one championship, Bellator, phone booth, football field, Nemkov beats Bader. Hey, I've got the only double champ. I'm just going to say that. Bader was double champ. Bader was double champ. (laughs) Bader hold, held two belts at once. But he also like has double the double bypass for the no? Jeez. I don't know. I don't know. He's older than I'd like for my it's a draft. Alright. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about tonight's fights. If the Seattle management is gonna give you their time of day. What makes you think that Jerry Jones is going to listen to you? Both times they're blowing teams out by Otani. Come on now. When they're on, they're on. Again, I'm going to need you to write LeBron a letter, send it to him, and say, LeBron, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to hop off your bandwagon. Don't do that. Make sure you check out Stir the Pot Sports every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 6 p.m. Great show. They talk about everything. Well, that was nice of you to throw them under the bus earlier <laughs> and then to play their pro while that's the least you can do. Yes, that's nice. Yeah. I like I, that. I gotta I gotta uh show them at least some respect, right? <laughs> I I look that is a good show, but when it comes to when it comes to mixed martial arts, I feel like they could use a little <laughs> help. I feel like they could use a little, you know. They seem to Pink buy ass. into the hype a little bit over there. That's all. I hate to say pink hats, you know, kind of casual fight fans. They well, strike I, me as a little more casual fight know, fans. Look, no I'll, I'll tell you this. No disrespect to those guys. No, I like the no, show. Listen, none, none to be none to be taken because, you know, it, it's funny. On Keys to the City, which I'm rocking the shirt today, they don't talk about that stuff because they're both casual fans. And they feel like they'd be in over their heads if they were talking about it because they would have said that um, Connor was going to knock Poirier out even though I told everybody and their brother how it was going to go down. But I think for casual fans, you catch what ESPN's saying, and you're like, oh, all right, got it, yeah. And no, ESPN's wrong like 80% of the time. So, um, you know, it's it's if you're, if you're a casual fan and you're talking about this stuff, um, it, it's, I think, look at Stephen A. Smith with his, uh, his controversy a couple of years ago with, uh, with Stephen A. Rogan and Stephen A. Smith went back and forth. Um, you know, 
Stephen A doesn't know he's he's a casual fan, and he proved it. He proved it, and he's and he's proved it time and time again. I I (laughs) mean, you know, again when I joined this show, I did so with the assistance of my brother Tony, who's constantly commenting throughout this show. Because I didn't feel like I, I I I had turned into a casual fan from somebody who was really hardcore into boxing, uh, who had spent some time as a as an MMA fan of the early two thousands. So for me, I had to like watch a lot of tape before I was going to come on the air and talk about this stuff. And I feel like over the last you know year or so, it's it's I I feel like I really do. I know what I'm talking about, and I feel I feel confident speaking that way. You know what I mean? And I think for a lot of people, it, it's if you're listen, if you're not if you're not watching the fights, if you're and I, what I mean to say, not the fight, the pay per view when it's on, but if you're not watching the guy's previous five fights beforehand, you have no idea what's going on. You know, especially if that guy's had 88 seconds of ring time. You know, in the last 18 months. That means something, and you should know that it means something, and that this guy's awesome. He blows everybody out. Yeah, well, the other guy's fought six times this year, and it's gotten tons of ring time, and that's really important. And so, we, you know, matchup styles is a huge thing that I think for casual fans, you, you, don't, you don't know that until you see it, and you can really understand it, that fight styles make fights a lot of the times, and they don't know that. I don't mean yeah, for well, the pot guys. I mean just casual fans in generally. general. Yeah. No. Dominic Reyes was an easier pick somehow because more of a household name than. Yeah. No, you get a lot of that. Oh yeah, I get that. But I mean, you, you got to be a casual before you can be a hardcore, right? For that, yeah. Absolutely. Well, and at the risk of sounding pretentious, Joe, it's been really, uh, it's been really fun and inspiring to watch your growth i mean i mean I, I you know i love you as a human being but uh but you're right when you came on the show it was more of like uh you know that other guy that the, the three radio hosts and that other guy that only makes a comment every once in a while when he's got a good zinger or something like you weren't really and you've entrenched yourself so much into the fight game to have like really, really respectable opinions about these things from a year ago to, you know, you'd mention stuff and from time to time, try to figure out if you knew who we were talking about, <laughs> you know? So that's been, that's been awesome, man. That's been really cool to sit beside you and watch. Well, and I got to say, I mean, having a, a friend like you, who is obviously a guy with great boxing knowledge and, and has always, you know, obviously been a boxer and a trainer um, my own brother, who's an, I mean, just my brother's like a walking encyclopedia of knowledge when it comes to boxing. And I'll say about him, he's done an amazing job of uh, deep diving into the UFC because that was really never his jam. It was really more boxing. And so he and I really have developed and, and grown a love and appreciation for uh, the UFC and for MMA in general. So uh, it's, you know, again, when, when you guys asked me to be on this, I was like, nah, I can't do that. Um, I had a lot of notes that my brother wrote leading into every single show because I, I didn't want to sound like an idiot. And again, I put all the work in to, to get to this <laughs> level where I'm not guessing I'm not uh, speculating. 
I've done a lot of research on every single fight. And I have a really good sense of what's going on now. And 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 that's what we do here every week for our for our listeners is, you know, you got to understand the homework that we put in. Uh, and, and we're going to show them now when we do these previews because we're we're taking it up a level. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And let's start things off with the fight night tonight on ESPN. Let's start with the co-main event. A UFC welterweight matchup between Donald Cerrone and Alex Barano. Let's break it down. Donald Cowboy Cerrone is 36-15 with two no contests. He has 10 knockouts and 17 submissions. The former kickboxer has the most wins, 23, and finishes, 16, in UFC history. The six-foot Colorado native who fights out of New Mexico and has a 73-inch reach last fought in September a split draw with Nico Price that was later overturned by the Nevada State Athletic Commission to a no contest when Price tested positive for marijuana. The 38-year-old Cerrone is looking for his first win since 2019, a winless stretch of five bouts featuring losses to Tony Ferguson, Justin Gaethje, Conor McGregor, and Anthony Pettis. Cowboy desperately needs a great performance, as Dana White has hinted at having that retirement chat with Cerrone. Alex Morano is 18-7 with one no contest, five knockouts, and six submissions. He's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt with a 73-inch reach. The Great White is coming off a unanimous decision loss to Anthony Pettis in December. The 5'11 Texas native has won four of his past six fights, but the losses were to the only two named guys on his resume, Pettis, and a KO loss to Chaos Williams. Morano, 30 years old, has a 7-4 record in the UFC with one no contest, but also needs a win over a quality opponent, and beating Cowboy could give him a boost to stay relevant, as Morano is currently ranked just 44th in the welterweight division. Cerrone vs. Morano, tonight. That's, I mean... I don't know how I feel about this fight. It's very, very intriguing. I mean, I, we don't necessarily know where, what Donald Cerrone we're going to get. And every time Alex Moreno has fought someone with a name, someone who's been at, sniffed the top at least, is not performed. So, Joe, who will come out victorious tonight? Well, so. Wait, wait, hear- wait, wait, wait. Which. Wh- that I, I'm, I'm almost offended. Which, which, you, man, <laughs> that's the same thing you said about Andy Ruiz. Which, Donald Cerrone, there's another one? This guy's been knocked out a few times, but does a, does a different guy show? Like, has he, has he missed weight a few times or failed drive? Like, is there some stuff I don't know about Donald Cerrone? We don't know which one's going to show up. Same cowboy that showed up to every fight. Yeah, but the one that's been showing up has been getting knocked out a lot. Um, yeah. <laughs> and and I, I think that's what Jace is alluding to. That's the concern yes. here. You know, uh, uh, Dana White did say that, uh, and, and I know uh, Cowboy was pretty pissed about it uh, and talked about this, but Dana did talk about, you know, we might have to talk about when you're going to hang up that Cowboy hat. And... Um, he doesn't want to think about that. So on the one hand, you know, if if Cerrone comes out here 
vintage beatdown. Um, mind you, again, Moreno, uh, you know, Morano's in, in place of Diego Sanchez. But if if Cowboy can't take care of business with this replacement fighter, then this could very well spell the end of a, a great career. It's funny, Jared, this is another one of these guys that when I started getting back into uh, the sport, it's Cerrone right away. I was like, I love this guy. And then he lost every fight since I've really actively been back watching the sport. And that's upsetting. So I'd love to see him go out there uh, and destroy Murano. Murano seems like a good guy for him to go out there and get a win over. Uh, Murano's never really done anything in his career. Oddly, both of these guys have a no contest due to Nico Price and his love of marijuana. Um, <laughs> weird, just weird how that I'm works not out. sure yeah. that 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 helped him beat them. No, but, not to be at fair. All. Um, Donald Silver, yes, I think they're kind of feeding Cerrone somebody here. Uh, I think he'll win the fight if we get, you know, the same, depending on which Cerrone we get. Um, these, so he's four and nine in his last 13. And those nine are Jorge Masvidal, Robbie Lawler, Darren Till, Leon Edwards, Tony Ferguson, Justin Gagey, Conor McGregor, Anthony Pettis, and Nico Price on drugs. That's a who's who. That could be a top 10 list. I'd be like, yeah, okay. I mean, he lost to all of the best guys. So he's getting one of the not best guys. Here's a top 50. Get back to form. Show us who you are. If you don't, yeah, hang them up, dude. You can't win four out of 14 and uh, still be a top 10 guy. That doesn't you know how it works. Again, I love Cowboy, where you could excuse all those losses having come against the who's who, right? But who's his wins been over? You know what uh, I mean? If you look Mike at Mike Perry, Alaya Quinta, Matt Brown, Rick Story, Pat Cote, Alex Oliveira, Benson Henderson, Miles Jury, Eddie Alvarez, Edwin Barbosa, Evan Dunham, KJ Nunes, who's asking? Jeremy Stevens, but Dennis those were. Silver. Those Charles Oliveira. All of the middle 2000s, right? I mean, I'm talking about more relevantly, who is he beaten of late? Mike Perry and Ally Aquinta were eight. Not good enough. Not good enough. Not, Not good guys. enough. Okay. You know what I mean? Again, dude, because I, I, Jared, I mean, I, I, I don't mean to diss Cowboy. He's one of my favorites. But he hasn't beaten anybody lately. Every good fighter, he's it's clear everyone's better than Donald Cerrone <laughs> right now. These guys are all way better yes. than him. He's a gatekeeper at this point, and you like to think that he deserves or is better than that. But this is the sad reality of where Cowboy is right now. I'd love well, to see a, I'd love to see game. a I'd love to see a big head kick, ground and pound him out, and it's all over. I'd love to see Cerrone do it one more time. This might be his best chance to get that done in the octagon against a guy like Murano. Well, and you have to. All of that being said, you have to walk when you do it. Good high kick, ground and pound, took Murano out, then hang the gloves up for us, Donald. Thank you. Thank you so much for everything you've done. I don't want to see you rematch one of those other guys and lose again. You know, I think this has pretty much run its course. I think some of it's, like I said, the evolution of the game. They are doing different things. 
Um, that was the biggest part of uh, our boy getting knocked out, um, Dominic Reyes. Like, you saw this guy coming in, getting close to, and you knew something bad was about to happen with those elbows. You just didn't know what. Because they're, like, evolving. You're watching this, like, evolution of the fighter. And at one point, you saw Donald Cerrone do things, and you were like, whoa, I've never really seen anybody do that before. That was 10 or 15 years ago. The game has evolved. Beat this guy you're supposed to beat, and then don't give me that next, you know, don't give him another title shot to go to go uh, 5 and 11. I'm not, I'm, I'm not interested. I like the guy. This is a good matchup for him to go out on, is what I think. Win or lose. This is a perfect spot. I get that. If if Cowboy does lose, Murano isn't – this isn't like a till. The, the no-name guy who just because he beats uh, Cerrone is going to catapult himself into the limelight. He's still – Cerrone is a gatekeeper, but Murano, this guy's a, a prelim fighter, in my opinion. I, I don't see him maybe starting off the main main card. That's the best I see for him. This is the best he's going to be at the at a co-main event. But yeah, I mean Cerrone does. He's got a lot of good stuff going for him outside of UFC as well. The Equalizer too. He was a fight choreographer on that, so maybe he can make that a career which would be cool. But, yeah, regardless, I do think you got to put up the cowboy hat eventually. And I, I think now might be the best time of any. I, I think, honestly, maybe the 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 McGregor fight is probably, if we look back, probably going to be that one fight where he should have. Because, I mean, right off into the sunset with that McGregor money. But – I don't want it to be he loses to someone like a Moreno and we have that in the back of our head as the last memory of Cowboy Cerrone because he's better than that and he deserves better. Exactly. Win this fight and then move on. Be a trainer or something. Yes. Yes, I mean, and he's pretty he damn commercials and shit. <laughs> yeah. B3, portable protein or whatever it's called. <laughs> <laughs> But, I mean, you bring up the trainer, I think he'd be a great trainer seeing as how we got main eventer Michelle Watterson into the fight game. So let's get that. Rena Rodriguez, 34 years old. She's five foot seven with a 67 inch reach. She's 13, one and two with six knockouts. From Bague, Brazil, she was athletic from a young age playing soccer and volleyball, but did not take up MMA until 2013. After only a few amateur fights, she turned pro in 2015 with a first round knockout. She won her first nine fights, five of which by stoppage, before competing on Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series, defeating Maria de Oliveira by first round knockout. She made her official UFC debut in 2018 in a hard fought draw with Randa Marcos. She came back with decision victories over contenders Jessica Aguilar and Tisha Torres, and then took on Cynthia Calvillo, whom she battled to a majority draw in a brutal back-and-forth contest. In July 2020, 
Rodriguez fought former UFC and Invicta champion Carla Esparza, dropping a very close split decision. And six months later, she came in as a last-minute replacement for Michelle Watterson to take on the fast-rising star Amanda Hibas. In a major upset, Rodriguez dominated the action from the start, and in the second round dropped Hibas with a counter-right cross. After sustaining heavy ground and pound, Hibas made it back to her feet, but was stopped shortly after by another onslaught from Rodriguez. A highly aggressive Muay Thai striker, Rodriguez is excellent at putting together effective combinations of punches, elbows, and and knees, landing nearly five strikes per minute at a 55% accuracy rate. Michelle, the karate hottie Watterson, 35 years old. She's five foot three with a 62 inch reach and a record of 18 and eight with three knockouts and nine submissions from Aurora, Colorado. She took up karate at the age of 10 and developed a passion for it and went on to get her black belt as well as train in Muay Thai, Wushu, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and boxing. After a short career as a model and ring card girl, she made the transition to fighting with help from Donald Cowboy Cerrone. She won her pro debut by decision, then won five of her next seven before suffering a second round knockout to Elena Reed in 2009. She bounced back strong by winning her next four with three stoppages before winning the Invicta Atomweight Championship with a fourth round submission of Jessica Penne. She defended the title with a knockout of Yasuko Tamada, but then lost it two months later via guillotine choke to Harika Tiborcio. In 2015, she made her UFC debut submitting Angela Magana and Paige Van Zandt by rear naked choke. However, in her next bout, she herself was beaten by rear naked choke to Thug Rose Namayunis. After a loss to Tisha Torres, she won three in a row by decision against Courtney Casey, Felice Herrig, and Carolina Kolakiewicz. In October 2019, she took on the great former champion Joanna Janjacek, putting forth a spirited and competitive effort, but ultimately falling short via unanimous decision. Seven months later, she dropped a very close split decision to Carla Esparza, but bounced back five months later in an impressive decision over Angela Hill. A scrappy counter striker, Watterson is primarily known for her kickboxing style, throwing a lot of leg kicks and naked kicks right up the middle, and mainly utilizing punches to measure and maintain distance. Despite her reputation as a striker, the karate hottie also has a pretty effective ground game, having won nine of her fights via submission and having a 67% takedown defense. All right, Joe. Who's going to win? Um, from from everything I've gathered and in talking with a lot of people, I've been reading a lot about this fight because I love Michelle Waterson, and she really is a karate hottie. I got to tell you, uh, she is so fun to watch. I love the leg kicks. Um, I don't think she's going to beat uh, Marina Rodriguez. Um, I think Marina Rodriguez is um, 
going to win this fight and and I think is going to really set herself apart over the next year or so um in in women's uh MMA. So this will be a it's going to be a great fight cuz I'll tell you this about Michelle Waterson. I've seen her out of her league a couple of times and she still gives it I mean th- th- this girl's got heart and I mean for a 5 foot 3 little tiny person she could take a beating and I, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I mean, I just don't understand it, Jared at all, how people take these beatings. But when you're like a small, like her, I don't even understand it, but I mean, she takes a licking and keeps on ticking. You know, you see people take shots and think about it sometimes, you know, like the, the, the one that's moving forward and the aggressor and dink, dink. Ah, oh, wait, uh, how hard do I want to pry? I know pressure's my way to win, but how hard do I really want to pressure? And you're right. She 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 keeps coming, even when she's got stung. If you watch the Tisha Torres fights, uh, it's a common opponent for these two. Um, Tisha did a lot better against Watterson than she did against Rodriguez. I don't think Watterson can win this, aside from a fluke submission. I think Rodriguez striking is better. I think her grappling's better. I think her submission skills and her ground game is better. Her reach is longer. Um, I don't think Watterson has the punch to knock her out with. I just don't see a way for Watterson to win. And with the odds at, I think they're plus 190 or something for Rodriguez. Uh, minus, minus 209. I'd take those. I'd take those all day. Yeah, I think... Watterson's, she, she's just too small, even for the strawweight division. I, I, I think she is an atom weight, and she, she's great. She's a draw for the UFC. That's why this is, I think, her second main event. So, I, I think the UFC early on, earlier on in her career should have realized that and kind of sort of made a division around her, like they did with Chris Cyborg, because I, I think she is a draw. But they didn't do that, and I think she, she's looked really good. But ultimately, she's just not in her own weight class. Yeah, the women are just bigger, and That's where the money is, she yeah. takes the rep. She takes, and she, she's adapted well. I mean, the karate hottie coming in and submitting people nine submissions, which is great. She she's found a way to work around it, but I think she's. She's great. I, I just think she's just an atom weight. She's not a straw weight. Hey, hey, Joe, quick, plug the uh, our first trailer from the show. The first, uh, who, who is it that does the uh, Bitcoin stuff? If there's anybody out there that's been listening to me over the last month or two, I opened up a little account and started betting on some matches. And if Canelo Alvarez wins tonight, I'm not going to let them charge me 15% to take their money. Um, and if it going into a Bitcoin account, they let me take it for free in any kind of cryptocurrency. So I'll need to open a small account for cryptocurrency just to move their money over into a different account so that I can freely play with it when I need to. Oh, wow. So you want to plug your P you want to plug your people, brother? Rocky Hill accounts. Oh yeah. Yeah, dude, my man, Glenn Parchment, I'm telling you, you, to meet this guy, you would never guess it. Cryptocurrency expert. He, he, he very into it and, and he's learned a lot about it and will advise people on the uh, do's and don'ts. And obviously you have to pay taxes on crypto. 
like you yeah. would anything else. So uh, if you are currently taking crypto money in, you probably should be talking to an accountant. RockyHillAccountants.com. Oh, yeah. They make That's where I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now let's get into some boxing. Big, big card this week. We talked about Canelo, but let's talk about the co-main event first. Elwin Soto, 24 years old. He's five foot three with a record of 18 wins, one loss, and 12 wins coming by way of knockout. From San Felipe, Mexico, Soto had a very brief amateur career going one and two before turning pro in 2016 with a unanimous decision. After dropping a decision in his third fight, he won his next six by knockout before defeating former IBF champion Mario Rodriguez. He then blew through his next four opponents and in June 2019 dominated WBO champion Angel Costa, knocking him down twice in the fight before pounding him along the ropes in the 12th round and forcing the stoppage. He's defended his belt three times with unanimous decisions over Edward Hino and Carlos Butrego and a first-round knockout of Javier Rendon. A flat-footed pressure fighter, Soto plods forward, walking down his opponents, cutting off the ring as he lands his body assault. Cotto possesses incredible power in both hands, but tends to miss heavily and has trouble with slick boxers who utilize a solid jab. Katsunari Takayama, 38 years old, he's 5'2", with a 63-inch reach and a record of 32 wins, 8 losses, 1 draw, and 12 wins coming by way of knockout. He made his pro debut in 2000 with a fourth-round knockout and won his next 10 in a row before facing Masato Hakiyama for the junior flyweight title in 2003, losing to the champion via ninth-round TKO. He then put himself back into contention and in 2005 defeated Isaac Bustos for the WBC belt. However, five months later, he lost his title to Eagle Kawa by decision. In 2007, he was defeated by Yataka Naida for the WBA minimum weight title, and after a five-fight winning streak, he challenged Chocolate Tito Gonzalez, losing a wide unanimous decision. In 2013, he defeated Mario Rodriguez for the IBF title and defended it twice before losing to Francisco Rodriguez. The following year, he knocked out Go Odera in the seventh round to capture the vacant IBF and WBO belts, which he also defended twice before losing a technical decision to Jose Argumento. In his next fight, he won the vacant WBO title from Riku Kano and then retired to focus on making the 2020 Japanese Olympic team. But after failing to qualify, he returned to the professional ranks with a sixth round decision in December of 2020. A slick counterpuncher with a solid chin, he makes full use of the ring, utilizing quick footwork and head movement to evade his opponents and puts together combinations well, but tends to cut easily. Jared, who you got? Oh, Soto. Soto. All likelihood by decision, but it's not going to be close. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. I think Soto wins this fight uh, quite handily. This is a nice resume booster for him, too. Um, you know, Takayama, as you mentioned there in, in, the, uh, in your piece, uh, had actually retired from the sport in 2017, only to return this year 
uh, and and he's fighting a kid who I think uh, is a real up and well, he's a champion, but an, an up and comer nonetheless, uh, and a guy who again I think could be uh, a real force in the junior flyweight division for years to come here. See, I, I, I Soto's going to win. The thing with Soto is I, I don't I like I really him. thought you were going to take Takayama. I did too. Nah, <laughs> nah, man. Soto's a Mexican. What, what, what are we talking about here? Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. But uh, no, so uh, yeah, Soto's going to win. But the thing with him is I, I don't see him on that necessarily elite level because he does get hit a lot. True. And he... he, he Everything his wins, like I don't know, I don't know how to phrase it. Just he's not that impressive, and Agreed. lucky for him that he's at such a small weight class where getting hit doesn't really mean as much as it would if you were heavier, because not a lot of people have that one punch knockout power at the weight at this weight class. But uh, Soto solid. He's going to get it. I think it's going to be a lot. Uh, I don't think it's going to be as easy as you guys are saying. I think it's going to be ugly because I, I think he is going to get the win, but it's going to be rough. But now let's get to the main event. Fight everyone's been talking about. Canelo Alvarez versus Billy Joe Saunders. And Tony hit us with that tail of the tape. All right, guys, tonight on Zone, we have a highly anticipated showdown in the super middleweight division. It's ominous. Nello Alvarez takes on WBO champion Billy Joe Saunders. Let's break it down. Canelo Alvarez, 30 years old. He's five foot nine with a 70 and a half inch reach and a record of 55, one and two with 37 knockouts. Growing up in Guadalajara, Mexico, he followed his three brothers into boxing at age 13 going on to medal at several Mexican junior national championships and finishing his amateur career with a record of 44 and two with 12 knockouts. He turned pro at 15 when trainer Eddie Reynoso became unable to find any opponents willing to fight him. He went 32 0 one before his first major exposure, knocking out Jose Cotto on the Mayweather versus Mosley undercard. His next fight, he won the WBC silver junior middleweight belt with a six round knockout of Luciano Coelho and followed that with a brutal counter left hook knockout of former welterweight champion Carlos Baldemir. <coughs> on the regular WBC belt from Matthew Hatton and defended it five times before adding the WBA belt with a unanimous decision over Austin Trout in 2013. In his next fight, he lost his belts via majority decision to Floyd Mayweather, but quickly bounced back, tearing through the junior middleweight division with knockouts of Alfredo Angulo and James Kirkland before defeating Miguel Cotto by decision for the WBC middleweight belt. After knocking out Amir Khan with a powerful right cross and following that with one-sided beatdowns of Liam Smith and Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., he took on Gennady Golovkin in an attempt to unify the middleweight division. After 12 intense but evenly matched rounds, the fight was ruled a draw, and when the pair rematched the following year, it was much of the same with Alvarez pulling out the majority decision after another 12-round slugfest. Unable to unify the middleweight division, he set his sights on the weak super middleweight division, knocking out Rocky Fielding with a body shot, and after a brief foray to light heavyweight to knock out Sergey Kovalev for the WBO belt, he returned to super middleweight with unanimous decision over Caleb Smith and a bludgeoning of overmatched Avni Yildirim. 
A defensive specialist with exceptional head movement and footwork, Alvarez also possesses phenomenal power and is perhaps the finest counterpuncher in the sport. A four-division world champion, Canelo is also widely regarded as the number one pound-for-pound fighter in the world by the ring, box rec, and the Boxing Writers Association. Billy Joe Saunders, 31 years old. He's 5'11", with a 71-inch reach and a record of 30-0 with 14 knockouts. From Hertfordshire, England, Saunders, the grandson of a famous gypsy boxing champion, got into boxing as a child, and in an amateur career that saw him win gold in two European Union championships, he amassed a record of 80-6 and and made the 2008 Olympic team. After losing in the quarterfinals, he turned pro later that year with a second-round TKO. After going 12-0 with eight knockouts, he knocked out Tony Hill in one round for the Commonwealth middleweight title. He next defeated Nick Blackwell, Spike O'Sullivan, and John Ryder before knocking out Emmanuel Blondemora for the European belt. He defended that belt with a split decision over Chris Eubank Jr., then went on to defeat Andy Lee for the WBO middleweight title. Saunders defended that belt three times with complete shutouts of Arthur Akovov, Willie Monroe, and David Lemieux, with the Lemieux fight becoming a star-making performance. Next, he moved up to super middleweight, defeating Shafat Asufi for the vacant WBO belt, and followed that with a knockout of Marcelo Coceres and a unanimous decision over Martin Murray. A slick defensive-minded southpaw, Saunders is light on his feet and employs both a high ring IQ and an effective jab to stay out of his opponent's range and control the distance. Can Billy Joe pull off a major upset and control the distance, or will Canelo put on another dominant performance and prove to the world he's the best number one pound-for-pound fighter? Tune in tonight to find out. Thank you for that, Tony. Love those tales of the tape, as always. I I think this is going to be... A lot closer. I I think Billy Joe Saunders, his style is just a little bit awkward. I I think he will take a couple rounds off Canelo early, but eventually Canelo's going to get to that body. He's going to wear him down, and he's going to get it done. I I, I think a later round knockout. We'll go 10th knockout Canelo over Billy Joe Saunders. Joe, what's going to happen? Oh, you're speechless, huh? Oh, both of you guys are. I love it. Listen, I've never seen him come out of a tail of the tape and make a prediction. He's never done that before. He was pretty fired up. And I will say this, Jace, I have it written down already. Kenel Alvarez, 10th round stoppage. So we're there. I love it. Hey. I love it. I'll ride with you guys. Um, I wanted to talk about Canelo Alvarez's brother because I think Billy Joe Sanders has a Saunders has a shot here. Uh, back in the day, Jose Canseco was paid to do a little celebrity boxing match. Do you remember this? They find him. Do you remember why they find him after the match? For the tattoos he didn't have. His twin brother showed up and fought oh the boxing God. match. Oh, no way. <laughs> Ozzy, so if Sanders hilarious. has a chance here. No, I just I just thought that was funny. Um, John Scully. Would you fight Floyd Mayweather in a 16-foot ring or a 22-foot ring? If you can fight, you can fight, yes. But the fact is undisputable that your strengths or weaknesses will be magnified defending on the, depending on the size of the ring. Would Buster Douglas beat Mike Tyson in an eight foot, 18-foot ring the way he did? 
Would Sugar Ray beat Hagler in an 18-foot ring? Would you fight 1973 Foreman in a 16-foot ring just because you have some good boxing skills? If you're a manager of a fighter and you don't address these things or make light of them, guess what? You have failed to do your job. They should have addressed this much sooner, of course, but the point is still the point no matter what. Iceman John Scully. I get, given the whole stadium, I'll hunt him down. The corner is the same size as a corner, no matter how big what's behind me is. I get it, but the bigger ring, I've said that to you guys, you know, four-foot ring, I've got a problem. 25, you've got a problem. You know what I'm saying? It matters. It makes a difference. The bigger guy, the puncher, wants the smaller ring, and this, yeah, should have been addressed sooner. Um, Canelo gave up to the 22. I think that could make a difference. Left-hander, I agree with everything Jay said. Closer than most people think. May grab a few rounds early, but at the end of the day, I think Canelo's right. The corner is going to be 90 degrees, no matter where you put it. The last thing I want to talk about is defensive shoulder maneuvers when you're punching. Now, one of the things I say to people is, you don't want to send all your soldiers. You've got 100 soldiers and you're at war and you're all in the castle trying to figure out what to do. You can't send all 100 out to go fight because two of them sneak in the back door and the kids and wife are gone, right? So you send out a little bit at a time and you leave some back, right? You always want to leave 50 at the house. Some are going out. Some are coming home, right? Shoulders up, chin down. And that helps you even when you're being offensive to be defensive. Saunders, shoulders, stay low when he punches. And Canelo could counter that and knock him out. Low shoulder, throwing a punch, shoulders low, Canelo with the counter punch. If it takes 10 rounds, Okay, but I'm riding with you guys that it might be a little interesting earlier and then Canelo takes over. And if he knocks him out, it's over the top of one of those low shoulders that could have just been conditioned to be a little higher. Floyd, you see him like this, being offensive and defensive. Stay on the phone, they say, right? Offensive and defensive. So I'd look for that low shoulder from Saunders and him to get clipped and knocked out by Canelo. All right. I see. I I like that. But I I do, I I think the 10th, but but to play a little bit of devil's advocate, I I think this can also go to decision. Willie Joe Saunders, he spars with Tyson Fury. They're like best friends. So if he can handle a punch from Tyson Fury, I I think, I don't know if Canelo. Put him away, but we'll I don't see. think Tyson Fury is unloading on him when they're sparring, though. So let's let's calm down a little bit. Hey, I tell you what, dude, Billy Joe Saunders. You wanna if you wanna train in boxing with somebody, Tyson Fury to me would be the guy to do it, especially if I'm getting ready to go fight Canelo Alvarez. I I sparred with uh, Lawrence Claybay, so if he can't stop me, yeah. <laughs> 242 silver medalist heavyweight um no he was he was playing patty cake with me you know yeah that's <laughs> i like you said i'm sure tyson fury isn't in there on load and trying to hurt the guy yeah all right so we will end the show like we always do jared will hit us with that flurry but first 
Let's take one more quick break. Clovercrest Media Group presents a CMG podcast. Keys yeah. to the city. Keys to the city, baby. When you see us, so you know. I crossed up by Kobe. We'll float to Shaq. And then Shaq goes like this. And the rest is history. Pay attention. Don't tell me what to do, devil woman. Speaking of those Lakers. But I, but I, hold on. Fun. But I didn't make my I didn't make my I said Denver's going to win. Yeah, you did. You said that. There's no other show like that. Clovercrest is doing great things right now. Streaming everywhere. Babe, come here. They're showing the clip. Seven minutes, Jay. Seven to seven forty. There we go. Woo! Oh, welcome to Throwing Jabs Pub Podcast. This week's Scrub Scrap Spotlight for the Flurry. It's Anna Russi. You just watched her uh, her knockdown. The cleanest, cleanest. We saw a couple of my wife's. My wife had two knockdowns in her fight. We showed a couple of those, but I think that was the cleanest knockdown we've had at Scrub Scrap. So let's welcome her to the show. How you been, Anna? For having me. <clears throat> Can I just say, all I remember in that moment was hearing Brady say, there's 30 seconds left in the third round. I just planted my feet, remembered everything you said, take one shot, make it count, aim for the temple. She just went down. Yeah, that was a beautiful punch. I waited. I waited. I tired her out. I did exactly what you said. Covered my face, had to run around. Used my energy to my advantage. I just waited. It was very well done. Very so, uh, so you um, you have the most fights of any female at Scrub Scrubs with five. Walk mm-hmm. us through a little bit of uh, your experience with the program. The the first fight. Well, I think it was actually sparring. If correct me if I'm wrong, was Sheila right? Uh yes. Okay. That, that might not have been the first, but yeah. Was that the first time you were in the ring with that, Sheila? That was the first time I was curious to see what it was like oh, with wow. someone that I knew wouldn't hurt me. Someone mm. that just wanted to play a little bit and test it out. I remember Sheila. I believe Sheila was my first. Then it was Ashley. Ashley. And then I think it was me and Sam went three rounds because one was like a draw one was a win, and I think the other might have been Sam or a draw. Yeah. 
if I remember right, because I remember we had two in the garage and one was outside on the grass or like on the yeah. the side of the house. It was outside. And um, yeah, but I believe it was Sheila. If we backpedal a little bit, I believe it was Sheila. Yeah. She was sitting next to me saying, I really wonder what that's like. And I said, if you're not going to kill me, I'd like to find out what it's <laughs> like, too. It looks like a lot of fun. I want to play with the boys and see if what I've been watching and, and, you know, taken in really could be applied. And it was, it was definitely helpful and effective. You were, uh, you were undersized in all, all of your fights by a good 20, 30, 40, 50 pounds. And man, wait, so, yeah. Uh, she was yeah. tall. Yeah. She was five, nine. I'm only four eleven. Yeah. 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 It was a good time Scrappy though. Anna, yeah. what, what made you, look at fighting and think yeah i'm 411 that's what i want to do what what was the draw for you that's a good question um it was honestly admiring how jared had such control of the environment and knowledge of what we were doing it wasn't just curiosity of like hey let's slap hands it was something that could have been applied in a real life scenario like i am 411 so i'm a good target to get in, you know, in any scenario hurt or need to defend myself. And uh, I knew it would be something worth learning by watching my peers and how they were performing. They weren't just, you know, like you guys were talking in your broadcast, letting it all out. These guys were letting it all out, but with some control, knowing that Jay's watching and definitely controlling the situation that if somebody appeared to have that vibe, like, seeing red and going you know going at it like that it'd be immediately split up or the fight wouldn't happen at all like i i I always admired that about the fights it was for the sport it was to learn something it was valuable information my hands were always wrapped i don't have any scars on this mug and i've been hit a few times by by some people so yeah i really you know, I, I really appreciate you saying that because I, I I feel like that's one of the premises that Scrub Scraps is is run on, that if you give a people a way to do this where they feel like they're going to be matched up with a similar skill level and it's going to be in a safe environment, yes. that a lot that your um, participation rates would go through the roof. That's That's forever been my argument. So thank you for that. I will say, though. The end of the fight you just watched, I had in the back of my mind, Jay's watching. I gotta make him proud. <laughs> I gotta make him proud. I gotta show him what I learned, right? So I planted my feet and I just waited for my moment to strike where I knew it would count. I wasn't trying to just throw jabs and show off and you know hurt the girl. This was this was a friend, you know. I liked her. <laughs> like I didn't yeah. want her, but. The competitive part said, don't be a little bitch. <laughs> don't be a little bitch. <laughs> You're 11. Strike when you can. And I just waited. Well, and everybody. I just heard Brady. And I just, it was only an eight-second count anyway. It wasn't like a knockout. I, I didn't win by knocking her out. I won because I got her the eight count. But I believe that's that how that was. That was so close. That's the thing I remember besides the punch. 
yeah. was standing on the sideline with the other people as the time's winding down going, oh no, we have to judge this fight. They already have a draw, like who's winning? What's go-? And it was so third fight, trilogy fight, 10 seconds left. I mean, to bring you guys where we were right then, sitting over in the corner like, we're going to have to tell them who won. And another draw is no fun. Like, who's no. winning this fight? And then as emphatically as you vote, yeah, the, the trilogy has ended. And <laughs> Definitely. She was definitely bigger than I was. So if I had had anything in that in the second round, I really would have been asking for it in the third. For sure. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's a big girl. She welled on me, too, after that. She was like, oh, okay, all right. Hmm. <laughs> she then go for sure. Took over, but you can see, like, if you actually watch the end of the round, she just wails on me out of feeling. She's not concentrating anymore on her form or how she's how she's conducting the blow. She's just now. I'm seeing, I'm seeing another red because you know she got me good and and didn't yeah. hit me like that the whole time. Doesn't work. No, well, exactly. Here's the enemy. That's, that's the sport. You wait. You wait till the bases are loaded to hit the home run. You know, just hit there the home go. run. Hit the home run. Anybody could do that. <laughs> Want to take the house down, put some water in the basement. Yeah, like you said, man, leave some <laughs> boys at home. Don't send it all out in one shot, man. You send it all out in one shot, and then what do you got? You look around, yeah. one dude left. You're like. It's one too many. Yeah, it's a wrap. You got some, Jace? Yeah, Anna. So going into the ring with someone, like knocking them down, like we saw having that sort of battle, how does that strengthen your relationship with the, the person you're fighting? And how, what's that relationship like when you come outside the ring? It was actually really good because we knew going into it, even after the little spit of spat of, you know, me hitting her and her wailing on me, it was equal after that. And we didn't have any like bad juju or issue after that. Like, I believe we're still friends. Like I still see the girl in public and say hi. And like, you know, I mean, COVID we elbow, but it's always a good time. Like we never had any sort of like same with Sheila. And I mean, Ashley and I just aren't friends, but we all had good relationships after the fact of always, you know, take a little shot or something and, and talk about how we can improve our form or what we should do differently. Like I can't remember who was in my corner. I believe it was Joel. But I remember him giving me the advice. You're small and you're fast. You got a lot of energy. Tire her out. She's big. Just have her chase you around. Take the hits. Block. Use your form. Duck. Bob, weave. Jay always made fun of me because of my footwork. Always bouncing around on my feet. But it worked to my advantage because when I did hit her, I had my body lined up. I had one arm up and I was ready. And I just hit with commitment. And I wanted it to be one and done. I didn't want her to get mad and then come at me. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, that and no. I don't know how that would have played out, but it wouldn't have been good. But at, at any rate, those relationships were were um, better and uh, more diverse after those interactions than they were before. It's one thing that oh, yeah. I think a lot of people miss about fights is that yeah. you connect. Hitting is touching too, I like to say. Exactly. 
Um, yeah, so I, uh, Anna, I, I, I got a chance to spar once with Jared and, um, I, I, it was interesting what you said because we did the same thing. You know, he sort of talked me through some stuff and then it was time to play. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I say all the time, the first time he punched me in the face, one of two things was going to happen, right? I was either just going to start swinging like a maniac or everything he said was going to come back into my head and I was going to calm down. And I, and I've told this story before, but as we, I got hit once and everything slowed down and I thought about everything he said. And I was like, you really going to have to watch his hands and his shoulders for movement. So, you know, when the next one comes, because yep. we weren't timing the round or anything. So the round was going to end with as many times as he wanted to punch me. <laughs> And I got to tell you, after a few minutes, like, I mean, everything slowed down and 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 I could see the punches. They were still hitting me, but I could see him coming. And so that was at least a little bit of fun. Can yeah. you can you talk about your first time in the ring, that first time you got hit and where you didn't just start swinging and you thought, I got to really remember everything Jared said here. Like, how how what was that moment like for you? Do you kind of remember that? Um, actually, that was a sparring encounter with a male opponent. And he actually provided a lot of good advice after the fact, because one, it was hard Two, it was direct. And, and like you said, everything slowed down. And I was almost like, man, why did you hit me so hard? <laughs> that, that, that kind of stung. You know, we're opposite opponent, you know, we're opposite genders and stuff, but it was still a controlled environment and a safe format. And and it was exactly that. I have to pay attention. And he kept catching me. Don't blink. Try to control your eyes. That's always your reaction. You kind of like flinch or you blink. You have to control that to really stay focused on your target so you don't like you don't lose concentration of what you're doing. It's a lot going on at once. All but, right, I, I have to jump in here. This is because you guys are touching all of the bases. So you yeah. shoot participation through the roof by making it a controlled, safe environment and matching up like skill levels by having all the fighters have the same trainer. Right now, you think about the mistakes that we make when we get wrapped up in something that we can't get out of drug addiction or codependency or anxiety or depression. And you think about the way that we let fear govern our lives. Mm-hmm. fear of change fear of being alone and fear takes over is w- what's happening in those instances. and joe you said things slow down and you have three choices there you're going to slow it down and make a decision that's going to have a positive outcome your other two responses are fight and flight your natural responses to fear fight and flight you described those two but instead A human being without heavy addiction, mental disorders, all that other shit going on, your first reaction when you get in the face is to slow things down and start trying to make good decisions that don't have that bad outcome anymore. But when you're used to relying on your instinct because you're scared all the time, when you live with the bear, You're used to reacting like that because it keeps you safe and protects you. Mm -hmm. 
And so you get hit and you fight and you get hit and you fight or you get hit and you run and you get hit and you run and you don't know how to recondition that to slow it down and think. You guys both talked about that moment where you got hit and whoa, had that reaction and went, wait, I have to tame that reaction, that reaction that tells me to go do drugs, that tells me to cut myself, that tells me to cheat, that tells me to do any of these things that are knee-jerk reactions to fear. Mm-hmm that I can harness that and wait and make a good decision that has a positive outcome. And I can teach you that by punching you in the face. And you'll show up because you just want to punch something. And man, it's just an, it's a, it's an intervention spot for the people that need it the most. And those are the people that show up to punch each other in the face. Can you imagine? They crawl out of the woodwork for this thing. And they're the people that need it. Why are we not giving it to them? Man, I know that was quite a segue, but you guys just touched all the scrub scraps bases of why this thing, popularity through the roof, and then give everybody something we all need. Exactly. Some of us can't slow it down, Joe. You know, John Scully was on last week and I talked about five rounds of throwing 150 punches around at him and just exhausting myself and getting nowhere. But when it didn't work the first time, it took me the rest of a half hour. 12 punch combination, it didn't work. You know what I did? 12 punch combination. You know what I did when that didn't work? I didn't know, Joe, I didn't have that gear. Fear was governing my life. And I was making the same bad choices over and over and over and over and over again. And I had to wait. You have to wait until your wife catches you cheating, until your mom finds money missing out of her purse, until that bad choice you made comes around. You know how long it made for that bad choice to come around when, when Anna was sparring with that male opposition? That long. Made a bad choice, bink, oh, choice. And then an immediate punishment for that bad choice. And when Joe slowed it down, yes, I was still hitting you, but you were shading the punches. You were getting a glove in the way. You oh were yeah, I was looking good, real active good. choices. <laughs> yeah, very slick. Keep it was yourself very impressive. safe. Better choices. You were you were going against your instinctual reaction to do something that had a positive outcome for you, and that's what we can't do when we're stuck. It's uh, Mental Health Awareness Month, right? When you're stuck in a place. That's the ability you don't have. And boxing teaches that ability better than any activity on the planet. Whew. Anything else, guys? <laughs> Follow just a, up. <laughs> just jump into each other. After that initial blow and the and the round ended and we just kind of chilled, I asked him, I, I asked, like, why why'd you hit me so hard? And he said, this is a controlled environment that you're learning from. Real life isn't going to be nice. It isn't going to be about control. It's going to be your opponent trying to hurt you. And you need to stop and think and remember everything that we're teaching you so you can control it and not respond out of fear or respond out of flight. He and elicited that, that, that reaction that from you with because, the punch. Exactly, because the girls were nice. There was still fear of hurting another girl. You know what I mean? Like, 
Mm. Your your wife can throw hands with her sister. She can throw hands with another girl and be in there at her strongest game. I always had the disadvantage of somebody being physically bigger than me, outweighing me, and then the unknown. What are they coming in? What are their true intentions coming at me? That's a lot to let somebody put on some gloves, come at you, willing. <laughs> For three rounds, that is the longest time. Three minute round or three three minute rounds is the longest time you watch go by. Like you didn't have any time, Joe. I feel bad for you. Oh yeah, no. Waiting would have been the hardest part. <laughs> like just That's hilarious. Is it gonna end yet? Does it end when I hit the floor? Like what happened? Yeah, Anna. That what like was- really, as we were dancing, I, it like occurred to me like, how do we know when this is over, <laughs> or is this just gonna be until he feels like he's punched me enough times that I've learned the lesson? Yes. That's a little scary. But he knew that, like the judgment, he noticed you taking the punch, getting the glove in the way, blocking. That was all instinct for me with the first round with Sam was block and deflect, block and deflect. It was flight. And then when I felt more comfortable and I could see her getting tired and letting her arms down and letting that space that I wanted in, you know, she's a big girl, hitting her in the ribs, hitting her in the side, hitting her in the chest. Wasn't going to, it was just going to be, you know, smacking around a marshmallow. She wasn't going to get the effect I wanted. I wanted to get her on the ground. So I knew a headshot was the only way I was going to get it, but I didn't want to hurt her at the same time, but I wanted to win. Well, and when forced to confront fear in other areas of your life, whether they're health-related or drug-related or relationship-related, when you're forced to face those fears, the volume gets turned down on them a bit. You know, when you've been in that environment she just described with somebody bigger coming at you, you know, it's uh, um, you know where the punches are coming from, so you can slow it down. And then even in life, when you don't know where the punches are coming from, you develop this ability to turn it down, turn the volume down. You're conditioned to, to find the positive outcome. You know, when I, it was great to talk to Scully about Scrub Scrubs last week about how I couldn't fight my way through that. Because in my head, this is the kid that Dizzle had to break down, okay? When Scrub Scraps, when we found out it's illegal, we should shut it down? No, because we're doing good things. And if I get arrested, we'll, we'll protest it. I'll, I'll hire a great lawyer. We're doing good things. And sooner or later, I was that 12-punch combination over and over and over again until you make something happen. Kid. And that would not have gotten this done. They, they could charge me five years per fight, seven years per event. I did the math. I'd be doing like 1,800 years in prison if they, if they had, you know, caught on at the right time and decided to press charges. Now we have enough people on board, you know, um, um, in the police department, in USA Boxing. We've got all kinds of people on board with it. Mm-hmm. But I had to, just like you guys are talking about, slow it down and devise a strategy that was actually going to have a positive outcome because I couldn't just punch my way through it. No. Can I jump in? How long ago was that? That we shut it down? No, 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 no. The video. Like that was. Statute than... of limitations is five years. Mm-hmm. So at least that. At least that. Five years. All right. So five years ago. <laughs> five years ago. 
I, I wasn't in a very good place. I wasn't making good decisions. I didn't have my head on straight. And then I met Jared. Uh, a little more than five years ago that I met Jared, but I met Jared in a different time and place where I actually had the privilege of watching him get evolved into where he is now. And that was honestly the most inspiring role model to have because you only learn from someone by seeing them at their worst, not seeing it at their best. You can see anybody at their best. You get a you know a 30 second impression of someone. You meet that representative for the first time. That's what you get. But I had the privilege over the last five years, I guess, to, uh, you know, watch all of this happen and evolve. And I made good choices. I didn't end up in jail. I didn't end up on drugs. I didn't end up taking those roads because I knew no matter how many times I got hit, it was okay to stay down for a few minutes. It was okay to take that hit, but it was not okay to refuse the opportunity to get back up. I got back up every time. And I made good choices and I'm so happy that I'm in the place that I'm in now because I had a positive role model, not only teach me a sport, but in a controlled, safe environment where I knew I'd leave happy, healthy, learn something. Those are the things that Scrub Scraps brought to the table. They brought knowledge. They brought awareness. It's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to quit. You can't quit. That's not, that's not what Scrub Scraps was about. It was really so much more than just showing up to throw hands around like always had it wrapped always had a mouth guard headgear proper proper equipment we weren't just throwing hands it was so much more i really hope that you get where you're going with it and i would gladly safely <laughs> get back in the ring with sam like we did five years ago and feel just as safe but maybe a little more confident maybe a little slower because we're older but you know, it would still be a good time. And a Sam too. I love it. Yeah. But before. <laughs> yep. And a Sam four. Again. I know she's around. I know she that was very. Far. That was very well said, Anna. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And it was so nice to meet you guys. Nice to meet you too. Um, Anna, you have amazingly beautiful hair. Oh, and thank it, you. I don't know what to do with it. I keep touching it. It's funny oh, when God, she I was. Mean. When she was off camera, she spent a lot of time fixing it, right? I saw you, like, adjusting it, and I was like, no, it looks amazing. Uh, and thank you for, for joining us and for, for sharing your experiences. He is an amazing guy. Um, and, and I tell you what, everybody I talk to who's been involved in Scrub Scraps, you, you, this, you hear the same stuff. You, you hear about the camaraderie. You hear about the decision-making. You hear about... You know, you hear, you just hear all these great stories and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on the board of directors, uh, of scrub scraps and, and am doing everything I can to help this guy get this thing back up off the ground. And, um, I appreciate you coming on and, and, and saying the wonderful things that you've said about it. And we'll definitely take, uh, uh, another match with you and, and Sam in the future. I think that'll be awesome. I'd love that. Oh yeah. All right. That is going to do it for throwing jabs this week. Thank you, Anna, for joining us. Thank you for Thank having you. me. And then as That's always, Jay, it was great seeing you. Thank you. It was nice meeting you guys, Jason Joe. Nice meeting you. Nice to well. meet you too. For myself, Big Jace, Joe Aguirre, and Jared Jones. Enjoy the fights this weekend. We'll see you next weekend for more throwing jabs. Peace out. <laughs> <laughs>
Ladies and gentlemen, this is our main event. 